only in Jesus, but uh, but we can rejoice in the victories that Christ has given us. We are free, amen. Someone said to me, "I oh, will get our freedom back on the first of December." He goes, "I was never, I was never locked up, son. Jesus gives me my freedom. No government, no job, no financial situation. We're all free in Christ, amen. We live like for, uh, who the sun sets free is free indeed. So." It's an amazing blessing to know that we are loved by the Father. He's conquered the grave. He loves us. Moving forward into the things and the victories of Christ, I'm looking excited. You all should have an anticipation in your spirit about what God's about to do. Amen. Stand firm in his faith, the faith that he's given us. And um, I'm excited anyway. I'm babbling a bit here, but I want to rejoice in the Lord. I can't wait to see all you guys face to face. And um, we are one mind, one heart, and one spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, I'm not going to bore you too much, but there's a message I want to share tonight. And it's a funny one uh, for those who have um, uh, been around long enough to know. But uh, I heard this message, oh, it has to be over 15, 16 years ago. And when I heard it, it didn't make any sense to me. And it was something that sat in my spirit. And it was just recently the Lord prompted me to uh, search it out. And so I did. And it's not something that I've ever preached. It's not something that I've really understood in the past. But the more I read this over the last, you know, especially today when I was meditating on everything and I knew what God wanted me to share, God just opened up so much. So I pray it blesses you. Um what I've been trying to do, it's in my spirit by the Lord, is to bring some Old Testament revelations and marry up with the New Testament. I think it's important that we know we like the Bereans, that we know our word. We're just not people that just take everything for granted, but we understand what the word of God's saying. The word of God rightly divided brings truth, brings restoration, brings healing, brings correction. You gotta handle the word of God with 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 care. And um, But this one, is, it's in a unique story. I'm going to give you a bit of a backdrop. But if you want to go to 2 Kings chapter 6, and, and we'll start from verse 1. 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 1. What I'd like to say on this one is, and I'll give you a bit of a backdrop. It's only a short passage of Scripture that we're going to read. But here in 2 Kings, it's, it's, we're talking about Elisha. Now, the prophet Elijah and Elisha, Elisha was his understudy. And we've shared about this before. Elijah, who took on Jezebel, took on uh, Ahab, the king, and Jezebel, his wife, and went on to Mount Carmel. And it's a very famous story where they had a battle royale. And uh, Elijah said, all right, you bring your, your priests and your God, and I'll bring my God, and let's have it out. And there was about 850 demonic-inspired priests. Now, you've got to understand the backdrop of this, that the priest that Jezebel introduced was into the kingdom of Israel. Israel had a king named Ahab. He was a wuss, and uh, Jezebel controlled him. So this king allowed idolatry, child sacrifices, everything pagan, everything heathen was introduced. And now they're, they're worshipping Molech, and they're worshipping, you know, the Jezebel uh, was worshipping uh, child sacrifices and demonic and uh, spirits were entering into the kingdom. And now Elijah, he's, been conf he's confronted them, and now they're on a Mount Carmel ready to have a fight. And as we know that 
he said to him, go and, you know, we'll make an offering. We'll put a wood, put an altar with, um, with uh, a sacrifice. He says, now call out to your gods. And, you know, I want to go back to that message, but it's a message we can recap at another time. But finally, God comes and consumes Elijah's offering. They cut themselves. They rolled around in the dirt. They stabbed each other. They drew blood just to call on their gods, but nothing happened. And Elijah called on the, on, on the God of Yahweh, and God came down and consumed the fire, and he killed every priest. And this was Elijah. Now, the word, you've got to understand, Elijah, a pretty famous character in the Bible, especially Old Testament and New Testament. You know, the Jews had a, had a, had a saying that or from Scripture, they said that the, when the, before the Messiah comes, Elijah would return. We know the disciples asked that very question to Jesus. He said, doesn't Elijah have to come first? But after Jesus speaking to them, they understood that Elijah did come. John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. Now, Elijah didn't come back. Uh, John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. Um, and it's an amazing thing. When you look at Elijah's life, Elijah was a pretty tough guy. And Elijah took on the heavyweights. He took on the, the priests. He took on the king. He took on the queen. And um, Elijah never saw death. Uh, the Bible says that God took him in a chariot. But he had an understudy named Elisha. And he said to Elijah, Elisha said to Elijah, would you bless me with the anointing that you have? And that's because that's a big thing you're asking. He says, but when I get taken up, if you see all this happening, a portion, a double portion blessing will fall upon you. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, a double portion blessing fell on Elisha. And we can go through Elisha's life, but we're going to go pick it up from verse 6. Now, you've got to remember, if you look in those days, there were plenty of prophets. And Elijah said, where are all the prophets? Are they all turned away to Baal? Have they all turned their backs on God? He goes, no, I've got a heaps of prophets, God says. And now Elisha is running on the mantle of what? The second, the double portion of, of an anointing. And just, just so you know, Elijah's name means Yahweh is with us or God is with me. Yahweh is with me. And it's interesting, and we'll talk about what Elisha's name means shortly. But Elijah was, a, like I said, a very famous minor, a major prophet. And again, Old Testament, New Testament. And uh, but Elijah walked in double of the miracles that Elijah did. He had a double portion blessing. He was a different character altogether. Where Elijah was tough, straight to the point, fight the, the good fight with the, the hierarchy. Elisha, Elisha was more uh, compassionate. He was a bit more people's person. He, 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 he met the needs of the lower class. And God used them both mightily. And now they've got a school of the prophets. The Bible says there was a school of the prophets. And all this is symbolic, and I'll, and I'll break it down for you, but they have a school of the prophets, and these young prophets are there now in the, in the, in the midst of God, in the midst of Elisha, and they're teaching these young men the wisdom and the revelation of God. And that's the backdrop where we're up to now. Now, Elisha walked in many signs and wonders. So he was a man of respect. They revered him. They loved him. I want to share something with you today, which really spoke to my heart many years ago. And as again, when I heard it, it, it dropped in my spirit, but I really didn't understand it. And um, and as I said, never preached it before. So let's see how we go. So Second Kings chapter six and verse one, and it says here that um, 
And the sons of the prophet said to Elisha, see now the place we, are, we, we dwell with you is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he answered, go. Then one said, please consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was cutting a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. And he cried out and said, alas, master, for it is a borrowed axe. So the man of God said, where did, you, where did it fall? And he showed them the place. So he cut off a stick and threw it in there, and he made the iron float. Therefore, he said, pick it up yourself. So he reached out his hand and he took it. And it's a little passage of Scripture. So what's happened is they're in a place where they're in the school of the prophets. It's the habitation where they learn and the presence of God is there and they learn, but it's to be, it's, they've outgrown it. And the students have said, do we have your permission to go to the Jordan? Because there's heaps of trees there and we can cut trees down and build another habitation, uh, another dwelling place. He said, go. But then they asked him, would you come with us? And this is how much Elisha was revered. And, and Elisha was a busy man and he was doing so many things for the Lord. And he said, I'll go. And he went with them. And it's amazing. He was cutting this tree down and now this guy's freaking out. And I'm thinking, I remember reading this and, and hearing someone preach on this many years ago. And I'm thinking, what's the big deal? He's cutting a tree. The axe head fell in the water. And he's losing his mind. And it's interesting you look at this, it's at the Jordan River. They're cutting trees down to build a place for the Lord and he loses his axe head. And the, and the prophet says to him, where did you find it? Where did you lose it? Whereabouts exactly? He tells him exactly where it dropped. And the Bible says that he cut a branch off the tree and threw it in there. And the axe head, which is an iron axe head, it's not something you get from Bunnings that can float. This is cast iron back in those days, forged, heavy, and it fell to the bottom of the Jordan River. And he throws the stick at the area where it fell, and, and the miracle is that it, draw, it brings the iron back. In other words, the axe head floated back to the surface. He says, reach out and grab it. And it's interesting, let's, put this, let's unpack all this and see where we're going with this. And it's amazing when I looked this up the other day, I said, there's actually a law in Deuteronomy that says about the axe if it ever comes off the handle. And I'm thinking, why would you have a law for that? <laughs> but it must have been a common thing. Obviously, the tools that they had were very primitive and people were chopping trees. And it actually says if you um, if the head comes off and it kills someone, you can flee to another city until everyone calms down <laughs> and then you can take refuge there until they calm down and realise that it wasn't on purpose. Otherwise, they might think that you killed someone on purpose and then they want revenge. And also talks about borrowing things. And he says, this is a borrowed axe. And then it's not mine. I have to give it back. And he loses it in the water and he's distressed. When you hear alas, it's, a, it's the old English, you know, saying, woe me or wow, I'm in trouble. And so he goes to the prophet, I've lost this axe. It's a borrowed axe. And it's interesting to see, you know, it's, it's a, when you read all this and break it down. So we wanna, I want to I go back to, I want to go back to um, verse um, verse 5. So they're cutting the tree to build. They're on the Jordan River. It's very symbolic here. 
And now as he's cutting the tree, the axe falls in the water. And it's interesting. The first thing that came into my spirit was he's at the Jordan, he's cutting a tree, and he loses the axe. In Luke chapter 3, John the Baptist is saying, um, and now also the axe is that laid at the root of the tree. Every tree that does not bear fruit, good fruit, he will cut off down and cast it into the fire. You remember John the Baptist was baptizing? And, uh, and, and you go first seven, the, the Pharisees came. And the Pharisees came to see what he was doing. And let's read it from verse seven. It says, there he said to the multitude, come out to be baptized by John. So they all followed John into the wilderness to be baptized. You brought of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not begin to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God's able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And, and even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into a fire. That's the first thing that struck me in my spirit today. They're at the Jordan. You know, the, the axe speaks of judgment. It speaks of God's judgment. See, this man, this young prophet, was cutting a tree. His heart was to serve God. His heart was to say, you know what? I want to go and build another house for you, Lord. And he says to the man of God, would you come with us? In other words, this is symbolic. We should never go out unless God's presence is with us. We always need to demand that, you know, we need to understand that, Lord, is it, am I meant to go and would you come with me? It's a type and shadow of the anointing of God on your life. And he's working away, cutting the tree down. And it's interesting when you have a look at this, the prophet says to him, whereabouts exactly did you lose it? And we can unpack this. You know, the Jordan River speaks of death. If you have a look at the uh, Jewish culture, that's where the, the, the Israelites passed from the, from the wilderness into the promised land. It does speak of baptism. They went from the old to the new. They went from hell to heaven, if, in a sense. And in the river itself, where Jesus was, John the Baptist was baptizing, you got to understand, he was baptizing people for the, the, the of, uh, baptism into repentance. And Jesus himself got baptized there. But isn't it interesting that to this day, the Jordan River, the water runs into the Dead Sea, the lowest point of the earth. And in the Dead Sea, nothing lives in it. That in that river speaks of death. So when he was chopping down that tree and the axe fell in the water, it sunk straight to the bottom of the Dead Sea. He'd sunk. It was covered underneath the river, never to be found again. Now that man is broken because an axe in those days was expensive and it was borrowed. And according to the law, he owed a debt that he can't pay now. He had to either pay for that axe or, 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 or supply a new axe, which he didn't have. And that speaks of judgment of the law, speaks of that the river, when the Israelites left, Egypt, and they crossed the Jordan into the promised land. They go from death to life. But who was going to bring that axe back up? It's iron. It's sunk to the bottom. It speaks of people lost in their sin, covered in their sin, covered under the law, covered under the curse of the law. And here Elijah says, 
Where did you, whereabouts exactly? He says, right there. And the Bible says that he doesn't throw the stick of the axe in there. Look what he does. He gets a tree branch and cuts it and throws it at the area of where the axe was. Hallelujah. Can you see a picture here? The word tree in this, we get the word tree or tree branch is the same word we get in the, in the, in the Hebrew where it says etza, which means uh, a tree or a timber or a gallow. A gallow is where people got hung. That stick represents the cross. That stick represents, he couldn't throw the old stick in there. He threw a new branch, a living branch that had just come off the tree and he threw it out there and guess what happened? He brought up that dead piece of iron on the bottom of a dead river and brought it back to life. Hallelujah. That speaks of the cross of Calvary. Hallelujah. And when I started to put this together, I got really excited, eh? Because it talks about, he says to him, whereabouts did you throw it? And it's interesting when you look at um, Matthew chapter 9, verse 12. And Jesus, he's talking. It's interesting. The guy didn't do anything wrong. The guy was chopping a tree down to build a place of habitation for the Lord, a place of, uh, of, a, of a temple of, of sorts or a, a place where the, the teacher could teach the students. And he lost it in the river. In, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 12, it says, when Jesus heard this, he said to them, those who are well, no need for a physician, but those who are sick, but go, go and then learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You know, he asked that he asked that young man, whereabouts did you? He didn't just say just fell in the river. He says, whereabouts exactly? In other words, he was pinpointing what the actual problem was. He was saying to them, whereabouts or what is it the issue you have? You know, Jesus says the same thing here to the Pharisees. He said, I didn't come for, if you beseech, if you think you're righteous, I didn't come for you. I came for the unrighteous. If you're not sick, only, only a sick person needs a physician, he said. And isn't it like Jesus, he pinpoints to them that they thought they were righteous and holy, and yet they were under a curse of the law. And Jesus was saying to them, you don't need to. Remember the rich young ruler says, he goes, good teacher. And Jesus says, why do you call me good? For there's only one that's good. That's my father in heaven. In other words, he was saying, Jesus wasn't saying that he wasn't good. Jesus was saying, what you see in me is from the father. So you're now asking me if I'm good? Because only one in heaven that's good. He says, what do you want? He goes, how do I get eternal life? And he tells him, what does the law say? On him and the father, blah, blah, blah. He goes, because I've kept them since my youth. And the Bible says that he loved him. But look what he says here. Look what he says. Listen to me. He says, but there's one thing you do lack. That's the same question that Elisha asked that young prophet. Whereabouts exactly did you drop that axe? Where exactly? Whereabouts? He was trying to pinpoint exactly what the problem was. And he says, there's one thing you lack. He says, give everything... Sell all your possessions, give it to the poor. He didn't say even give it to me. Jesus said, give it to the poor and follow me. And he turned around and walked away sorrowful because he had many riches. Here, he said, imagine if that young prophet, that young student said, oh, I don't know, somewhere around there. Elijah asked him a specific question, whereabouts? Because in order for God to remove the judgment on you, we need to come to repentance. Hallelujah. See, like I said, the axe represents judgment. 
We can go through the Old Testament about the axe. You know, every time you see the axe is at the tree. And it's interesting that the axe fell in the Jordan River. John the Baptist is baptizing in the Jordan and he says to the same Pharisees, who warned you from the wrath to come? I tell you now, the axe is at the root of your tree right now. Hallelujah. But it's interesting that Elisha means God is saviour or God saves. Isn't it interesting? I remember sharing once, I might have shared this with Dorian, I don't know, but I remember sharing once about Jesus saying that the greatest person ever to be born of a woman is John the Baptist. And then he says, the least in my kingdom is greater than John. Speaking about John, the greatest man ever to be born of a woman. John was considered in the spirit of Elijah. John was considered a prophet, but John never did one miracle. Didn't do one healing. Didn't raise the dead. Didn't bring fire from heaven. He led away to the Lord. He made, he was, the, he was not the light, but he spoke about the light. Are you with me? He said, repent, because there's one coming. Repent, get your hearts ready. He says, there's a voice crying out in the wilderness, preparing the way from the Lord. And yet he's in that Jordan. And he's saying the axe is at the root right now, talking to the Pharisees. You see, judgment is, 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 is the law judges. The Bible says the letter of the law kills. Here you got uh, the young prophet, and you have a look at this. Elisha breaks a, tre- a tree branch and throws it. The, and as I said, the word for the branch or the tree is the same word they use for the tree of life. And I heard this the other day. I was reading this the other day, and it's the tree of life. So I looked it up, and it means tree, branch, timber, wood. It also means gallow, where someone gets hung. You know, in the Jewish culture, the main way of getting death penalty was stoning. But every now and then, if you'd done something horrific and you were considered a curse, for example, if they caught you doing something with an animal, you can read between the lines, or abusing a young child or something along them lines, they would hang you on a tree. Or they would stone you and then hang you on a tree to show you off to everyone as a deterrent. But in Deuteronomy, it talks about this. It talks about it in Deuteronomy and it says, I thought I had written it down, but in Deuteronomy it talks about, but you are not allowed to leave it overnight. In other words, you, you put him up, you display him, and he has to be buried because it's a curse. That, that person is cursed. Look what Galatians chapter 3 says. This spoke to my spirit so mightily. And if you look in Acts, well, we know Jesus died on the cross, yeah? Before everyone starts to get nitpicky, Jesus died on a timber cross. But in Acts, it also says he died on a tree, speaking that the timber comes from a tree. So it's not like, please don't misunderstand it. Twice in Acts it says he died on a tree. But in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, now I want to encourage you here because I want to go back to this Acts in a minute in the, in the bottom of the river. It says, Christ has been redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written. This is written in Deuteronomy. Cursed is everyone who hangeth on a tree. He broke the curse, ladies and gentlemen. He broke the curse off us. Hallelujah. And when that axe hit the bottom, that man was under a curse. That man had broken a law. You might think it's silly, but in those days, that axe was expensive. In those days, that was the law. If you borrowed a man's oxen or a sheep, 
Whatever you borrowed, it was you had to pay it back. It wasn't no joke in those days. And this guy um, panicked. Yet Elisha, a type in shadow of Jesus, that that man would have been, he had a debt he could not pay. He didn't have the means to buy a new axe. He didn't have the means to come down and grab that. That axe was his judgment now. It was in the sea, in the depths of sin, in the depths of judgment. And Elisha says, whereabouts is it? And he throws a stick in there, represents the cross. Hallelujah. We're coming into a time now where we might have lost a lot of things. And it seems like that axe is too heavy. See, that axe was forged for a purpose. It was melted down, cut to shape, forged for a reason, for a purpose. You know, that speaks of us. That speaks of us. That man was made in the image and the likeness of God. God forged us in his image and his likeness until the curse of the knowledge of good and evil. And now we're working and doing things in our own strength. But when Jesus came, he said, I'll replace that curse. And now it's like taking the axe, the head of the axe, back out of the depths of sin and putting a new stick on there, which is the cross, which is the stick from the cross, the living hope that we can be used by God, for God, for his purposes and plans. You can go through this whole title of of this story. It's an amazing story. Those students represent the congregation of God. Elijah represents the spirit of God, uh, Jesus. The Bible says the, 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 the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. These guys ask, could we go? Could we expand the kingdom of God in a sense? Can we build another place for you? He says, go. And isn't it interesting that the, the Jordan Sea is in, represented here? See, when... The Egyptians left, when the Israelites left Egypt, they crossed the Red Sea, which speaks of the parting of the sea, speaks of circumcision, speaks of baptism. They crossed the sea. The Jordan River speaks of the old kingdom and the new kingdom, the old man and the new man, the old nature and the new nature, the kingdom of the enemy, the world, and the kingdom of God. And they crossed that Jordan River. And it's amazing that when Jesus got baptised there, everybody was getting baptised there. If you go there now, it's just an old muddy river. It's nothing special. But isn't it interesting that God used that point to cross over to the promised land? In that river, look at this, hallelujah. When you get baptised into Christ's death and be buried with Christ in baptism and rise again, you're a new creation, amen? We all agree in that, Amen. Guess where your sins go? I remember your sins no more. Where do they go? They float down to the Dead Sea, never to be remembered again. Glory to God. And here, Elisha is representing Christ. It's a picture and a type and a shadow of Christ's glory that we may have done so many things. The Lord judges us. We may have lost a lot of things and they're covered in our sin, in our shame, in our guilt, and we don't know what to do. We must go back to the presence of God because God's hand will reach out. The cross of Calvary speaks louder than our sin. Hallelujah. I love it. He says, where exactly? You know, sometimes we pray and we pray amiss because we don't know how to pray. You know, Ravis has been on the last few months about spending time with the Lord and finding out exactly what's in our hearts so God can deal with it. This is a picture of that. He's, oh, I don't know, somewhere in the river. Elisha says, whereabouts exactly? I need to know exactly. Isn't that like God? He wants to know specifics. 
And to us, we might think it's only an axe, but the small things God's interested in. Nothing's too hard for God. Nothing is too hard for God. And I love, you know, if you, if you go through this whole story and the stories before it, and if you go, the next chapter talks about they're in a battle now and God speaks to him and says, don't go this way, go that way. And he confuses the armies against them, attacking them. Isn't that like a picture of the cross when Jesus said, I'll send you the Holy Spirit and he'll show you things to come. Amen. Hallelujah. We can take a lot from this. We can take the baptism. Now, I don't know everybody that's listening online. It's an amazing thing. Listen to me. You could have, listen to me, you could have without the cross, you could be water baptized, you could be confirmed, you could, you could have done all the religion, you could be in the house of God, but unless you have bowed your knee to the cross, into the baptisms of the blood of Jesus, into water baptism, you come out into the new promise of the land. Your DNA changes. And isn't it amazing that when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of life, God put an angel, at, sorry, ate from the knowledge of good and evil, I should, uh, I beg your pardon. And then the first thing God did is put an angel with a flaming sword waving at every which way to protect them. Now, we've always understood that, that he's protected the tree of life so they wouldn't eat from it and they kicked them out of the garden. But the Bible says to protect the way to the tree of life. In other words, they, they couldn't eat from it then and there. They couldn't eat from it then and there. But there'll be a time when Jesus comes and he dies on that cross, we'll eat from that tree of life of redemption. That that gallow, where a place where a man would hang on that tree, would be Jesus Christ one day, to he could offer us immortality. Because if they ate from that tree in that state, they would have been damned forever. But God is good, amen? God has mercies endure. Sorry, my battery charger just jumped out. Elisha, meaning God saves. And as I said to you about John the Baptist being the greatest, uh, I, I never got to the point where God spoke into my spirit. See, Elijah, Jesus, uh, John the Baptist, very similar to Elijah. He was a hard man, black and white. You know, just like uh, Elijah dealt with Ahab and Jezebel, the king and queen of, of their day, John, John the Baptist dealt with Herod and says, you you've taken your brother's wife, it's unlawful dealt with the kingship, spoke hard. Jesus said, where did you go out to sea in the wilderness? A man dressed in the fine linen? About John the Baptist, he was wearing camel skin, eating locusts. See, people went out to see John in the wilderness, in the river. They went out to hear him, but he dealt with the kingship. So Elijah had, had this uh, different personality about him. And it's amazing that when the Lord spoke to my heart that John the Baptist is the type of Elijah, but Elisha is the type of Jesus, spoken to my spirit, because he came in a double portion. Elisha walked in double portion. Elijah had the congregation, he had doubled the miracles. But you know who we serve? See, miracles in the Bible always points us to Jesus. We don't want to be a perverse generation looking for a sign to be so he can prove that who he is. But signs and wonders do follow the miracles, because of the preaching of the gospel. So this whole thing is about the gospel, that the Bible says that we go out. 
He says, build, expand your habitation. In other words, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Baba says that the timbers were to build the house of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Here, the Bible talks about that they went out and they failed. They, they were under a curse, like the Jews were under a curse. We were under the curse of the Adam and the, the Jews were under the curse of the law. And then Elisha throws a stick, a new living stick, which speaks of the cross and throws it in the river. You know, Moses did that in the bitter waters, you know, the poison waters. They couldn't drink of it. And the Bible says that he got a stick and threw it, a rod, and threw it into the water and became sweet and they could drink. Hallelujah. Jesus took our bitterness and turned it into a sweet aroma. Jesus drank from the sponge that was to kill him. We drink from the well that never runs dry. Jesus hung on a cross, cursed anyone who hangs on a tree, that we could have the blessings that he gave us. Hallelujah. Elisha also um, taught the next generation. We are need, talks about discipleship. We can't pick. We need to pick ourselves up. Where did you drop the axe? What's holding you back? Bring it to the Lord. See, Elijah couldn't deal with where, oh, anywhere. He had to find out specifics. Speaks about repenting. Speaks about searching the heart of God so you know what God's trying to do in your life. I just look at my notes and there's so much I want to go through, but I don't want to complicate this because it's not a very complicated story. But it's a, a message that it's a message that no matter how far you have fallen or how far that you think you've fallen, you know what? Come back to that place where Jesus set you free. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in that place. Don't ever think that what you've done or haven't done determines where you're going. I want to encourage you now that because like the school of the prophets, they were mentoring one another. They were discipling one another. They were edifying one another because that's where the harvest is coming. He says, pray for the laborers because the harvest is ready. You know, we're at such a time in history right now that the harvest is ripe. Is that openness to hear the gospel? And we, we have to be led by the spirit of grace to bring them home, that we have passed from death to life. Hallelujah. And the cross of Calvary, the cross, you're going to see a lot of people now speaking about love and mercy and grace in the next 6, 12, 18 months, but they'll deny the cross. You'll see a lot of people talking about we've got to love one another, become united. And you know what? When you're in a, a war, you unite. But can I say something to you? We never must never understand that we never take away from the cross. The last day apostasy will come where they will quote Jesus' name everywhere, but not the Messiah. For there's only one way to get to heaven through the Father, to the Father through the Son. There's no other name under heaven should call on to be saved. The, uh, let me say that again. There is no other name under heaven to call on to be saved. But by the grace of the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In the last days, they'll have a Jesus, a different Jesus and a different gospel. In the last days, they'll gather themselves, teachers to hear what their itching ears want to hear. And I'm here to encourage you tonight. I'm here to encourage you tonight. If we mess up, listen to me. 
We're going to mess up. But when we mess up, tell them exactly to the Lord, exactly where you messed up, exactly where I'm struggling. Tell them exactly where their axe head is because there's no way of you pulling back that axe. Nothing but the grace of God for the cross. Amen. That's the Holy Spirit's job. I can testify in my life that God is doing an amazing thing and he's trying to purge us. He's trying to trying to, to get deeper into our spirit man, to edify that spirit man. Sharing with someone the other day that sometimes I don't know how to pray, how I ought to pray. But when I pray in the spirit, guess what? He makes intercessions and he prays for my infirmities. How, what an amazing promise that sometimes I don't know how to pray about a situation or a circumstance. Sometimes I don't know what's going on in my world. But when I pray in tongues, guess what? I give him the legal right to take over. If the Holy Spirit knows everything about me and has a connection to the Father, why wouldn't I turn myself over to the Holy Spirit? Amen? He guides our paths. See, the miracle in the water wasn't just getting into the water. Wasn't that the axe fell in the water? Wasn't us going into water baptism? Because without the cross, it's a form of religion. But when we understand the cross and we go into the water of baptism, we come out into the other side, just like the Israelites went through the, the wilderness, through the Jordan, into the promised land. See, in the Old Testament, the promised land was a place. In the New Testament, the, the promised land is a position. The Old Testament, symbolic of a natural place. The New Testament reveals the spiritual place. The kingdom of God is within you now. And it's an amazing thing that when we go to build the house of God, and it's, it's like there's a price to pay. People don't want to pay a price. People say, I'm under grace. Never repent. You know, there was a, a mighty man of God in the Azusa revival when the Holy Ghost fell on the Azusa Street and in, 19, in the 1900s, late, early 1900s. And that's where he birthed a lot of the, the, the spiritual gifts back into the church in the modern, in the Western world, in the Azusa Street. And it went for three years and everyone got healed. And it was the glory, the cloud of glory would fall on the church. And people would get healed. People testified to this, and I've spoken about this before. But one of the, the, the prophecies he wrote, he goes, in a future age, they will worship a God they never prayed to. They'll look for the gifts, but never serve him. And isn't that so true? We want to worship a God, but we never pray to him. I'm not saying us. I'm saying there's, there's, a, there's a need for God, Defeat our needs, but no one will say, Lord, what do you want me to do for you? What is it that you want from me to you? You know what? I can testify to this. His way is better than my way. His desires are better than my desires. Hallelujah. His rebuke is better than the <laughs> We'll stop there. God is good. And his mercies endure forever. And just like this young prophet, he understood to know, would you come with us, Elisha? 
speaks of the presence of God. When you mess up, would you go to the presence of God and say, Lord, I've got an issue here? And the Lord asks you, what's the issue? And you tell him, just like the rich young ruler, didn't want to deal with that one issue. Just like the, uh, the scribe, didn't want to deal with that one issue. God can't help you unless we bring it to the surface. God wants to help you. And the cross of Calvary is the power. You see, when we deny the finished work of the cross, we deny everything. We have nothing to stand on. Look at the Old Testament all the way through. Noah, and you go through all the stories of the Bible, all point to who? They point to Christ and his cross. Point to the gospel being preached. And sometimes we feel like we've been serving God. We've been praying. We've been chopping wood to build the house, and yet we've lost our axe. And I'm here to tell you, don't be discouraged. Go back to his presence and speak to him, and he will bring miracles in your life. See, we have a, we have a faith of miracles. Now, I'm not talking about miracles as in healings. and I'm talking about what I struggle to do in my strength, he will do in my weakness. While I am weak, he is strong. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. But what am I prepared to pay? What am I prepared to lay down? What am I prepared to be used? Am I prepared to take instructions from the Lord even though it doesn't sit right with me? We're going to come out of this lockdown. And listen, lockdown or no lockdown, we need to do things differently. We need to search the heart of God in a deeper way. I want to encourage you tonight that just like the Old Testament saints, Allah, they knew where to go when things went wrong. We, as the body of Christ, if John the Baptist is the greatest born of a woman and the least in my kingdom is greater than he, who's the least? You and I. John the Baptist is a man under the law. But we're men and women in the spirit. John the Baptist couldn't be born again. We're born again. The Holy Spirit didn't live in dwelling with John the Baptist. He dwells in us. Doesn't make us better than John. He's just saying what he was trying to say is there's a time and a place that God's put us on this earth for this reason. And it's exciting times. The devil wants to entangle us with a lot of different things. But we're going to be smart enough to know that our faith comes from Jesus. We serve him. He's our master. He's our saviour, but he's our Lord. So I want to thank you tonight. It's only a short and sharp message. But I want to encourage you to understand that God's grace isn't a cover-up for sin. It's not a cover-up. It's an empowering. It's unmerited favour because of his mercy. But it's not a cover-up. It's not just going to cover us to do whatever we want and how we want to do it. That's not the grace of God. But the grace of God also empowers us to achieve what God wants us to achieve. So I want to encourage you tonight that Jesus in Galatians 3.13 says that cursed is the man who hangs on a tree. I want to ask you a question tonight. Did he die in vain? Did Jesus die in vain? There's nothing that's left to do what Jesus did on that cross. The Bible says, by his stripes we are healed. The Bible says that he became a curse so we could become blessed. The Bible says that 
uh, he, while he was rich, he took on poverty and became poor so we could become blessed. The Bible says he took the thorns on his head and crucified the carnal mind, broke the curse. There's nothing that Jesus, the Bible says he emptied himself that he, we might be filled. I want to encourage you tonight. Let's focus on him. No matter it's the depths of where we've fallen or there's a problem in your life that you just cannot fix or you don't know how to get out of, go to the man of God. Go to Jesus and let his presence guide you. Let him take you to a place you've never been. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes the mind can wander. In my spirit, I want to encourage you guys out there, whether you're listening online or, or, or just in the call group, there's some major decisions coming your way. Focus on him. Find out through him what to do. He'll guard your path into all righteousness. The Bible says the righteous, the righteous steps of a man are ordained by the Lord. Understand who you are in Christ. Understand what he's done for you. It's not something you need to obtain. It's something you walk in. Your identity is in him. Once you know who you are in him, then we can walk in the line that he wants us to walk. We're going to understand that there's, there's so many things that God wants us to do, but he wants to, he's, you know, first and foremost, God's not just interested in the world. He's interested in you and me. And I'll, sometimes we can get caught up in, everything outside us, but sometimes God's dealing with us. Why is he dealing with us? Because he wants to shape and mould us. He wants to forge us like that axe. The axe also represents like a double-edged sword. It cuts. And God says to us, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And there's some things that God's going to chop down in this new season. Things that we've been struggling with or been um, tempted with, God's going to chop them down as we seek his face. I'm excited about what's coming, guys. I really am. I really, really am. Don't ever forget that this whole Bible, no matter what you do, points to Christ. Faith in Christ alone. Hallelujah. I want to thank you tonight. I want to pray. I want to pray. I just want to give some time for the spirit to move in your hearts. I want to understand that nothing in the Bible is a mistake. The Bible says signs and wonders will follow the preaching of the Gospels. I mean, who needs a miracle? Who needs something to change in their life? Who needs God to intervene in a situation or a circumstance in your life, in your family's life? Sometimes let's get out of the way and let God do be God in our situation. So, Father, I thank you tonight. Thank you for your wonderful grace and mercy. Lord, we're coming into a new time. It's coming into a new chapter that you're taking us through. A time where your, your voice will be so loud and our voices will be so dim. Just like John the Baptist said, I must decrease and you must, he must increase. But the increase is in us and through us. 
And Father, I thank you for this time and place. Lord, I pray that the minds of the minds, we have the mind of Christ. Right now, as we search your heart, seek your face. Moses says, show me your face, Lord. There's a desire in Moses. He says, if I show you my face, you will not live. Moses knew that. He knew that no one could see the face of God. And yet he asked to say, show me your face. I'll take that risk. You know, we have to be like Moses and search the face of God. We need to be like Elijah who serves the God. We be like Elisha who ministers out of the love of God. There's nothing impossible with God. There's absolutely nothing impossible with God. And there's no secret that when John the Baptist was in the Jordan talking about the Acts, and here in the Old Testament talks about the Acts, God's judgment has been removed of us because of the cross of Calvary. And he gave us his spirit. He took out the heart of stone and put it a heart of flesh. So I thank you, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time and place, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you have risen and gone before us. Lord, I encourage my brothers and sisters in there, this time and this place where they're at right now. They would seek the heart of your heart. They would pull back the veil. They would step into that holy place to seek your face, to understand how much you love them. They may understand the love of the Father for them. It's not by power nor by might, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. There is nothing too hard for God. There's absolutely nothing too hard for God. Our life is not our own. We've been bought at a price. So I thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for the revelation knowledge that you're pouring out on us. I can see a harvest. I can see a harvest of broken people coming. I see Christians that have been in the faith for a long time broken. I need to bring them back to his presence. I see people coming for miraculous healings. I see a body of believers edifying one another, serving them, the one and only God. I thank you, Heavenly Father. I thank you for your love and revelation. Thank you for the finished work of the cross. I declare and decree, Father, over everyone listening to my voice, that the, the spirit of grace is upon them. Empower them, Father. Thank you for your love and mercy right now. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the wisdom and revelation. Thank you, Father, right now, that things are shifting in the spirit. As we speak the things of God, God turns them in the spirit first. You've had disarmed principalities and powers. The devil has no more hold on us. He's defeated foe. And we glory in the revelation that Jesus is Lord. He won the victory at Calvary 2,000 years ago. Hallelujah. I thank you that we have a heart to hear your voice. That your spirit will guide us into all truth. I thank you for the blood of Jesus that overcomes Satan. The blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. 
We don't love our life unto death. We give you glory and honour. We give you praise. We give you thanks. Look up and see your salvation is near. Don't go by what you see. Only go by what the word of God says. We walk by faith and not by sight. I lift up your presence, Lord, that the peace of God come upon everyone right now. The rest of the Lord come upon them. Lay down your problems on the altar and let the Lord fill you with his presence. The peace of God. When Jesus walked into the disciples, he goes, peace be with you. His peace, not as the world. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Thank you, Father, for your mighty hand. Break out. Break out, Father. Have your way in our in our church, our families, in our city, in our nation. We lift up the name of Jesus over Australia and our leaders right now. No matter who's in office, we don't trust man, we trust God. But we lift up the name of Jesus, that your spirit, that your light, that your breath will blow upon our leaders and and wipe out this 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 darkness, this this veil that's over people's eyes. And your name will be glorified. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Strengthen them right now in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. We lift up the divisions that might come against us, the spirit of separation and division, that you would give us, that we would take the higher ground, that you would give us wisdom to speak to people that are in fear and in judgment, people that are focused on the on, on the world and not focused on you. The separation of families because of medical and, and media rubbish, Lord. But you're going to wash this nation over. They'll see the love of Jesus through us. We edify you in this situation. And we give you praise and honor. We give you thanks for every opportunity is an opportunity to preach the gospel. We thank you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. And we exalt your name. You are worthy of all praise. We thank you, Lord. We bless this name in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We thank you, guys. Guys, this thing on Facebook, YouTube, love to inbox us, send us a message. Um, stay tuned, guys, for the opening. We have to check out some legalities before we announce anything. Be blessed. Stay strong. Remember, Jesus is Lord. And we'll see you on Thursday. God bless.